0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What a weekend, ladies and gentlemen! It is season three, episode 43 of the Daily Intermission Podcast. My name is Greg, your host. I'm in studio. In the pregame show, we've got some interesting topics. We're going to talk about the great one's son getting in the mix on my Instagram page. We'll talk about the Jake Paul, Tommy Fury fight. Quarter one, we've got some NHL. Quarter two, NBA. Quarter three, we'll talk about the PGA Tour. Quarter four, a little bit of miscellaneous. A little bit of MLB, a little bit of UFC. A little bit of F1 just around the corner. But... The pregame show is brought to you by Manscaped, our friends at Manscaped. It is the best tools for your family jewels, ladies and gentlemen. Spring has sprung, and our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, have the best tools for some spring cleaning in your pants. Trust me, your confidence will be blooming just like the flowers. Look your best this spring and join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Use the code TDI for 20% off and free shipping at manscape at manscape.com. Listen, guys, go over to the website, go check out their products. If you haven't used the code, I'm assuming a lot of you have because they keep bringing us back. Um, but make sure you get over there. And, and if you need to update your kit or if you need some grooming products, listen, it's a great spot to go. And plus you get 20% off and or 20% off and free shipping. I mean, the, the deal's there for your, uh, for your taking. So uh, use the code TDI at manscape.com. All right, folks. Interesting here. So Trevor Gretzky, and a lot of you have probably never heard of Trevor Gretzky. I had heard of Trevor Gretzky just due to the fact I'm a sports junkie and I understand. I know some of the family trees of some of these individuals, especially the great one in terms of Wayne Gretzky. But Trevor Gretzky, I, I made a post about the Live Tour, and, and I know I've been vocal. I'm not a huge fan of the Live Tour. I'm not a fan at all of the Live Tour. Um, you know, they can do whatever they want in their three-day shotgun event. Where they're wearing shorts and... I shouldn't say wearing shorts cuz that doesn't really bother me at all but uh, just the fact that they're receiving these massive amounts of money to go play in this clown ass league that there's really no access to other than an invite for a bunch of money I I just think the, the the total concept of it is is just a bit it's a bit goofy for me and I've been I've been over it so I was talking about how it was announced the contract, some of the contract details were released for some of these live golfers, and they're going to have to wear their team uniform. So as you know, there's teams. So Bubba Watson this year at the Masters will be wearing his range goat uniform from the Live Tour. I think it's going to be hilarious. I mean, the, tra- the tradition of the Masters... It's it's pretty. I mean, it, it's it's very historic. I mean, it's it's rich with some amazing stories. But that th- this league is going to have their their players sponsored throughout the tournament, it's going to look a little goofy to me. So I made a post about it, and Trevor Gretzky went on, and he went on the post and with his blue check mark, and he was and he was giving it to me, and he called me Peter Pan. So I've got a I've got a video coming out shortly, uh, in response to his comments. But he went to war with like everybody who replied to him. So. I'm not sure if he's like in a great mindset or if this is just what he does but it's gonna be interesting to see uh, what his response is to my video that've I've made uh, but if you want to go check it out go over to the Instagram page and check out uh, the live golf post that I made on uh, Sunday and go see what Trevor Gretzky got up to because it's a, it's a bit of a comedy act uh, I'm not sure what this guy's up to if he's got a lot of time on his hands uh, but uh, but yeah keep uh, keep note because there's a funny video coming as well. So, obviously, there was a big uh, boxing match in, in Saudi Arabia this week. Jake Paul took on Tommy Fury. A very, very, very interesting, and, you know, it was, a um, people were looking forward to this. Uh, highly anticipated, uh, I'll, I'll put. Um, Jake Paul's been calling out Tommy Fury for two and a half years. Tommy Fury was actually vocal, saying it was, you know, it was, it was tough for him to go out in public for the last two and a half years, saying that he'd been backing out of fights and that Jake Paul was going to kick his ass. But I watched all eight rounds. Um and uh, I thought Tommy Fury was the much better boxer. Uh, one thing I noticed was his size and his reach advantage. I found he just sliced and diced him with his left jab. Did a great job there. Obviously in the later rounds, Jake Paul knocked him down with the jab, but it was it was just lost his balance. Like there was no there was no power behind it. There was no uh, he wasn't stunned or anything. But I thought Tommy Fury won those all most of those rounds. I thought it should have been a unanimous decision. That Tommy Fury won. Obviously it was a split decision. Uh, Tommy Fury wins beats Jake Jake Paul. Um, and I think that that's fantastic. I think that, um, I on quite honestly, like watching the two box, I don't think Jake Paul's very good. And I say that confidently. Like he was looking for the haymaker right, which he telegraphs. And mind you, I don't know much about boxing, but this is just me watching two guys fight. What I, as a sports fan, was witnessing. It looked like, it didn't look like he had any great, you know, quickness or, or you know, he could throw with any type of speed. He just was loading up that right and missing. And Tommy Fury had him at range most of the fight. And like I said, sliced and diced them. And I was happy to see Tommy Fury win. I mean, obviously the Fury family is massive in the boxing game. We know Tyson, the monster heavyweight who has fought uh, wilder the last few, last few times he's fought and just beat him up. And, Um, So it was exciting. You know, I'm happy for Tommy Fury. I think they're going to run it back, but it sounds like KSI is going to get in the mix. So uh, I think he would get dominated by either of those guys. Um, But it's funny, like it really, there is a a real skill to this boxing. Um, And Tommy Fury, in my opinion, is a boxer. Uh, He has it in his blood. He's been training since he was a teen in this sport. And it showed. He chopped him up, and and I don't think Jake Paul expected him to be that, uh, you know that, uh, you know, prolific and 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 just really dominated him. So I don't know if anybody else has any differing opinions, but in my in my opinion, Tommy Fury absolutely dusted him, and and Jake Paul. Has to, hit, has to hit the reset button, and I think it, it's, it's nice. You know, We don't have to hear about how he's undefeated and how he's beating on this guy. He finally takes on a guy of a young age of 23 and a guy who's boxed for a long time and just gets his ass whooped. So it goes to show that bringing in a 48-year-old Anderson Silva and a 39-year-old Tyron Woodley who had a lot of success in the MMA doesn't really mean that they're going to be good boxers, and that when you take on a boxer, you get your ass kicked. All right, folks, we got to move into quarter one because it's NHL and there's a lot going on in the NHL right now. So what I've decided is that I'm going to release my next episode on Saturday morning because there's just no way in heck I can record on trade deadline day. Or maybe I'll, I'll record late Friday night. I do, like I said, I like to record in the mornings because I can get jacked up on caffeine and absolutely get things rocking and rolling. But uh, there's a lot of wheeling and dealing going on in the NHL. Uh, obviously, last episode, I got to talk about the uh, the Boston Bruins acquiring Dimitri Orlov and garnered half way, which they looked fantastic. Um, to be honest with you, I thought they were a little sluggish uh, against Vancouver on Saturday night. I was really excited to watch that game, um, but I thought uh, Vancouver had a little bit of push. I mean, the first period was the ice was tilted, but I thought Vancouver had some push, um, but thank God, Linus Allmark, the Vesna trophy, the, the, the front runner for the Vesna trophy was, was in nets. He was fantastic. And Linus Allmark scores on the empty net. Just a dream for a goaltender, I can imagine, to find the back of the empty net. It was a perfect shot. It looked like it just missed. Some Vancouver Canucks who were in the offensive zone flies there the ice, the length of the ice, and hits the back of the net. It's the eighth goaltending, or the eighth goalie goal that was shot, the 16th ever. But I think that... Um, the other eight were like uh, own goals or they were credited. The last person to touch it on the offensive team was the goaltender, but the, he was the eighth goalie, goalie ever to shoot and score. That's just such a, I mean, there's been, it's been going on for over 100 years. I mean, this that's what a what an incredible achievement for for Allmark. It was a great celebration too. The boys were fired up. He went and, and went into the scoring line on the bench. I was fired up for him, man. What a great story! And uh, Allmark obviously leads the league in goals against average, save percentage, and wins. He's going to be the Vesna winner. I mean, what a what a season he's having! And these Boston Bruins. I mean, you look at their lineup, and there's not many holes. and And uh, I'm excited. Uh, they're just kind of getting through this home stretch. 45-8-5 and five on the year. They're looking to get through this home stretch and, and get into the playoffs because we know this team. They're battle-tested. Their core has been to three finals, one in 2011 when they were youngsters. Not youngsters, but early on in their career. One in 2013 where they lost to Chicago and the most recent in 2019 when they lost in Game 7 to St. Louis. So you know this team's going to be fired up. They've got some veterans on that team now that have done it as well. You've got the two guys that you've brought in had won a cup in 2018. you got Nick Felino, a former captain. You know that team is ready to buzz. So I'm excited to see uh, who they draw in the first round. I mean, this Eastern conference is turning into a bloodbath in terms of the bottom two seeds. Uh, You've got, Detroit and Buffalo trending. Florida is just not looking fantastic. It's just a bloodbath. Pittsburgh's hanging on for dear life. It looks like Washington's going to come back. But that Eastern Conference is going to be interesting to see Walk down the stretch, to see what young team wants to take advantage and maybe get a little playoff reps in. So uh, it's going to be exciting. I mean, those Buffalo Sabres have been fantastic as of late. They took down Florida the other night. Uh, last night, who did they beat up on? Anyway, they beat up on a team last night. Craig Anderson's been playing really well. Uh, unfortunately, they've lost Alex Tuck, but that team's fun to watch. They're going to be a wagon in a few years, and I've talked about that. I'm excited. I'm bullish on the future of the Buffalo Sabres. But the Eastern Conference, going to be fun to watch. We'll get into some of the trades because it is an arm race right now in the Eastern Conference. The West, been very quiet. The East, the top six teams in the East are moving and grooving to acquire players and to, to bolster their rosters. Uh, because Keiondre Miller, a defenseman on the New York Rangers, was ejected for spitting in Drew Doughty's face. I mean, that's pretty greasy. That It doesn't get as uh, greasier than that. I mean, to spit on someone, that's disrespectful. I'm not sure what Drew Doughty said. I know that guy can be vocal and can be chirpy, But that's a really greasy move. I'm assuming that there'll be a a suspension attached to that for Keandre Miller, but he'll be missing some time due to uh, throwing a loogie in in Drew Doughty's face last night in Los Angeles. Uh, Nashville moving on from their GM, and they're bringing in the coach that led their first few seasons after expansion, their first ever coach in franchise history, Barry Trotz will take over as general manager in Nashville, which is interesting. I mean, what type of experience does this guy have in the uh, in the management side of things? That is going to be interesting. Obviously, they've been sellers. They've moved out a few pieces, which we'll get into here shortly. Um, but gosh, I mean, Barry Trotz, welcome to management. He will be the new GM of the Nashville Predators. All right, folks, I gotta, uh, this is going to be interesting. We've got a lot of trades to talk about. Obviously, there's more to come, um, but we'll start things off with the big one. The biggest fish on the market, Timo Meyer out of San Jose, is heading to the New Jersey Devils. This was a big trade. There was a lot of moving parts in this one. I'm just going to get up. Sorry, I didn't, in my outline, it was going to take up too much space, so I didn't have all of the details written of uh, what was going back and forth, but I'm about to bring up all the details here. Um and uh, and we'll get uh, we'll get things st- st- uh, straightened out. But obviously, Timo Meyer and, and captain for the New Jersey Devils, uh, Nico Kieser played together in Halifax and the Halifax Mooseheads. Um, so we've got Timo Meyer, a 2020, 2024 5th round pick, um, and a bunch of prospects for the twenty twenty three New Jersey Devils first round pick, Fabian Zutterland. Shakir, there's a lot of there's a lot of foreign names here. Andreas Janssen, obviously Leafs fans will remember him. A 2024 second round pick and a 2024 seventh round pick. So a lot of picks going to, uh, to San Jose and Timo Meyer heading to uh, New Jersey. I think that's a fantastic pickup. These Devils, they're a good team. They've surprised a lot of people. They were plus 6,500 at the beginning of the season to win the Cup. I'm not saying that they're going to win the Cup, but they've been fantastic this year. Uh, great addition to their top six. Will definitely help out, help out that young forward group. And this is not a, I don't think this is a, this is a rental player type deal. I think the, the New Jersey Devils will look to sign Timo Meyer. I know he's got a $10 million qualifying offer next year, which I'm sure they'll hand to him. Um, But that's exciting for Devils fans. Uh, What a nice young player to add into that group. Uh, So Timo Meyer heading to the New Jersey Devils. Jack Johnson, a smaller trade, will be heading back to Colorado. Obviously, the veteran defenseman was on, uh, signed a deal in Chicago. He'll be heading to Colorado uh, in exchange for Andreas Englund, back to uh, Chicago. Uh, another small deal we've got Evgeny Dadanov heading to Dallas I'm not sure what Dallas sees in that guy I think he's an absolute plug uh, and then obviously the forward heading back to Montreal Denis Gurianov. Uh, so that's uh, you know that's an interesting one there I mean I think there, I think Dadanov carries like a $5 million cap hit so I'm not sure if there's any retention there at all um, another cool trade here Nino Niederreiter heading to the Winnipeg Jets I'm a big fan of Nino Niederreiter I think he brings a little bit of a gritty style can play in the middle of your lineup I like that Pick up a lot for the Winnipeg Jets, a team that's really grinding out for that first place in the Central Division, and that was for a 2024 uh, second round pick. So I woke up this morning to this deal, and this was maybe the most surprising deal for me of the trade deadline so far. The Tampa Bay Lightning have traded for Tanner Janot, and Tanner Jeannot, he was in the Calder race last year. He had a great season. He, he, he can score. He can you know fill the stat sheet. He also is very tough. He can fight. But the return for Tanner Janot, it is you gotta get out the U-Haul for this one. So in return, the National Predators for just Tanner Janot get Calfoot. We all know Adam Foot Sung, young defenseman. Seems like he's got he hasn't been playing fantastically, but he seems like he could be a nice defenseman. And they also get a 2025 first round pick, a 2024 second round pick, a 2023 round, a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth round pick in Calfoot for Tanner Janot? does that not seem outrageous to anyone? Like that's a ton, man. I couldn't believe that. Obviously Tampa Bay is excited to get a guy on a rookie contract who can play. And that middle six has a lot of toughness, has that brand of hockey that they like to have in that third line. We think about their championship teams of the, of the Blake Coleman and the, and the Yanni Gore type style. They like that type of player to have. And, and it looks like they were willing to pay. I mean, that seems like such a big haul for me. Uh, for the national predators, and, and obviously we you know we can see uh which direction the national predators are going, they are selling. So a lot of names that uh you know we we expected to be on the move have been on the move. Um, another one as well, Pittsburgh waived Caspiri Kapan, and he was picked up by St. Louis. Um, so that's a big one there for uh for Pittsburgh Penguins fans. I know that frees up around three and a half million dollars worth of cap room uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins and I don't think he's been playing very well. Um, You know, Very inconsistent. As a guy who will find the sheet, couple goal games, and then just go quiet for a few weeks. He just really hasn't found a place in the league. Hasn't been uh, very consistent. So that uh, frees up some cap room for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I know they've been in the arms race for Jacob Chikrin, who, again, has not been dealt. They must be asking for an arm and a leg there in Arizona for Jacob Chikrin because... He's, I mean, he's been on the trade market we now for years now, and and uh, nobody can seem to acquire him. And in Ottawa, it sounded like they were, you know, making moves at Vimelka and and Jacob Chikrin. I talked about that last night on our last episode. It sounds like Ottawa's backed out and said that's just too much. So the price tag still remains high on Jacob Chikrin, and uh, and uh, I, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Pittsburgh can hop in that race. Um, just finally, as as you know, we uh, I, I should mention too, Patrick Kane. It's sounding like he's going to be going to the New York Rangers. So the New York Rangers are going to be playing cap gymnastics. See if they can find a way to bring in Patrick Kane, which again will be a massive addition for the New York Rangers. They're stocking up. Adam Tarasenko looks fantastic with the bread man. Bringing in Patrick Kane into New York will be just fantastic. He's been heating up. I think there was a lot of rumors about Patrick Kane being a little bit banged up with a hip. He's put that all the rest. He's been buzzing. He's been looking fantastic. He's filling the, filling the stat sheet as of late. And Sam Lafferty as well a nice depth piece that was a long time Pittsburgh Penguin is uh sounds like he'll be on the move as well. He's got the he's got the Messier on the go. So I'm a big fan of Sam Lafferty's repping the Messier. Not too many Messier looks around the NHL. Giordano's one. Uh Nick Foligno, my guy. Uh and Sam Lafferty youngster rocking the uh, Messier look, so. Hey, listen, I I tip my cap to you, man. It's a it's a gritty look. Uh, but yeah, we got Friday, the trade deadline. So that's going to be exciting. So I'm going to release our episode probably late on Friday, if not early Saturday, because I want to get all of the content I can out of the NHL. It's been just an absolute content machine. Uh, and like I said, a lot of the Eastern Conference is just, you know, I think Carolina is a team to their circle as well. I mean, they're probably going to be looking at a guy or looking at a few guys to pick up to bolster uh, their roster moving forward. It's just been tremendous, the amount of content we're getting from the NHL right now. Um, but yeah, Friday trade deadline, uh, we'll be posting, we'll be tweeting, we'll be all over it. So I'm excited about that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, quarter two, we're going to talk about the NBA and the NBA has been pouring out some content as well. The Cleveland Brown owners starting things off. Jimmy Haslam has bought 25% of the Milwaukee bucks for three and a half billion dollars. I'm not sure if they're going to like this mojo. I mean, any sort of Cleveland Browns omens that you've got bringing into a franchise who have won by the way 14 straight games milwaukee bucks are on a heater i mean that's a lot of money to to spend for 25 percent of a nba team obviously they're extremely lucrative uh businesses to buy right now as sports teams but um but yeah i mean you know you don't want to have a lot of that i mean the cleveland browns have been a dumpster fire since i was born i think even longer than that for the you know for the majority of their franchise so uh for their lifetime so but I mean, interesting story here that the uh, the owner of the Cleveland Browns he's getting a little greedy and he's purchasing some of the uh, you know a quarter of the uh, ownership of the Milwaukee Bucks. And yes, they are they are a wagon. I know Giannis is a little bit banged up right now, but they're going to be a team in the East. They're definitely a contender. I talked about it last episode. There's only a few contenders in the East, and the Milwaukee Bucks are certainly one of them. Damian Lillard, Dame Dalla. I'm still getting notifications from this. i'm just getting tripped right now some guy says how much does it cost for 7k followers because there's no way people to listen to these horrible opinions i gotta get in there after this and get after him um but uh but yeah i mean it's uh damon loder sorry i was a little off topic there i gotta put my phone away um he dropped 71 last night which is absolutely outrageous Ties to, uh Donovan Mitchell, who had dropped 71 earlier this year. I mean, joins the likes of Kobe and Wilt for some of the highest scoring games in the NBA's history. He gets drug tested right after the game, which is just hysterical. I mean, they random drug test, no chance. But that's just incredible. I mean, Damon Lillard, and I've talked about this in the past. I mean, you've got to respect Damon Lillard. I mean, in the day and age of the super team in the NBA, you know for a fact he could have requested a trade. He could have been elsewhere. He could have been playing with some big names. He's an unbelievable basketball player, a basketball player that we sometimes forget about due to the fact that he's playing in Portland. But he's staying true to Portland. And if he were to ever to win there, if they were ever to, to build a team uh, with Dame, that would be fantastic. But he, he's a Portland guy through and through, and he also likes to rap. I don't know if you guys saw the clip online of the plane being delayed in Portland, and there and him freestyling off his phone. It was awesome. But Dame Lillard dropped 71. Incredible game. Um, and uh, and he continues to be just one of the more prolific scorers I've ever seen The Atlanta Hawks have hired Quinn Schneider as they signed him to a five-year coaching deal. Uh, This is a guy that played at Duke. He used to be the Utah head coach So Dan, or sorry, Quinn Schneider, not Dan Schneider. Quinn Schneider will be the new head coach for the Atlanta Hawks. And this is the team that's, you know, on the outside looking in or they're battling for a playoff spot, battling in that East. Uh, So maybe they'll be able to pick it up. Uh, We talked about it last episode. You know, they've got a good roster. So hopefully Quinn Schneider can get these guys turned around and, um, you know, on a bit of a run. Los Angeles Lakers, are these guys going to go on a bit of a heater and make the playoffs? Obviously, last night, they were down 27 points at one point to the new-look Dallas Mavericks with Kyrie and Luka balling out, and they came back, and they won the game. LeBron and AD were buzzing. Jared Vanderbilt was an absolute st- sticky bug. I don't even know what you call it. He was a glue man on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball. It looked like he was stealing and just grit grinding it out. Um, so the Lakers are looking interesting right now. If they can keep street clothes, Anthony Davis healthy, they could make a run here, uh, and make the playoffs. So, uh, they come back for a 20 from a 27 point deficit and the lake are the Mavericks pretenders like big time pretenders. I'm not sure, but obviously losing a 25%, uh, 25 point lead to the Lakers. That's a tough scene. So we'll see what happens there. The Lakers are starting to heat up. They got Anthony Davis healthy. They got LeBron who banged up his ankle during the game. He was walking out of the arena with a limp. It looked like a bit of a tiger limp, to be honest with you. But hopefully he's healthy because I would like to see the Lakers make it maybe make a bit of a run. Russell Westbrook made his Clippers debut in a 78-75 overtime game where he went 17-5-15. Uh, so I don't think that's a great game that we can judge Russell uh, Westbrook on. Obviously, he was in the starting lineup. He's going to be a starting guard for uh, the Los Angeles Clippers moving forward. But that score is a little inflated, I think, for us to judge what type of, of um, you know, game Russ had. I want to see you know, a more tight-knit game. Well, obviously, no, that was a tight-knit game, but a very highly scored. Uh, Pace a very high pace, high scoring game that you can really, you know, do damage in the stat sheet. So we'll we'll continue to monitor Russ, but I mean, he could end up being a nice pickup for the Clippers if he can find his game. Could be uh, the Clippers are a team, man. I'm I'm looking at going that team could make a run. So I might sprinkle actually a little future on them to win the NBA championship. But both conferences right now, they, it's, they're outside of some of the top teams in each conference, like I look at Milwaukee and Boston who are going to be the 1-2 in the East, and we look out West, and, I mean, nobody has really solidified they're going to be you know an absolute juggernaut in the West. So there's going to be a lot of movement in this standings. It's going to be a fun last 20 games to watch in the NBA, and I'm all for it. I'm excited about it. So I'll continue to, to release my prop bets. Um, it seems when I post them on Instagram, it doesn't go very well. But you know we'll uh, continue to uh, to march through that, and um, I'll have some prop bets tonight for the NBA using the props.cash website slash app. Phenomenal app. Go check it out if you haven't. You can use the code TDI twenty five for twenty five percent off. It's like fifteen bucks uh, a month, so it's going to be exciting. The PGA Tour in quarter three, ladies and gentlemen. You know we're not talking about the Live Tour. I know the Live Tour had their first event, but I'm not talking about the Live Tour. I'm boycotting the Live Tour. I'll never talk about the Live Tour until they are done, until they are bankrupt. The Honda Classic was this week, and I know that it wasn't an elevated tournament, but there was a lot of great storylines. I was watching a bit of the Honda Classic. Playoff was exciting, the playoff finish. And I think that that's positive for the for the PGA Tour. And you know what is very positive from the PGA Tour is that in an event where you don't have your superstars playing, you had a Monday qualifier in the mix. You had a guy who was has only played in 15 starts in the mix. He had a young kid. Uh, what is it? Ask Ask K or what? I forget what his name is. Uh, Batia from the uh, Corn Ferry Tour getting in the mud There was content being made. So I think that's a positive for the PGA Tour. But you got to feel good for a guy like Chris Kirk. Chris Kirk has been sniffing around this year. He has really found his game. He came third at the Sony, third at the AMAX. Uh, earlier this year in back to back events, and then he gets it done at the Honda Classic in a playoff. First, Eric Cole, this Eric Cole guy who's been grinding on the mini tours and the Corn Ferry tours since 2009, wins a million dollars for the runner up finish. And on the par 5, the 18th, when they were playing their playoff, obviously they both laid out, or no, they did not both lay out. Chris Kirk laid up to a number, and Eric Cole blew it just over the green, chipped on out of the bunker. And uh, and lips out. But Chris almost nearly holed his third shot from the fairway. It was an awesome playoff. Um, But there's content being made from guys that are unexpected. And that is where the live tour is going to struggle. You don't have that guy who comes out of nowhere and gets in the mix, and they may not win all the time, but it's exciting to see them in contention. It's exciting to see the, how they handle the pressure of a, of a Sunday PGA Tour event, and you know they're not guaranteed any money. They're fighting for their 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 life, and that's just so compelling about the PGA Tour. And that you just can't create that type of storyline with this guaranteed money nonsense on the, on the Live Tour. Monday qualifier too a Monday qualifier. Ryan Girard was playing in the final groups at times on, I think on Saturday was in the final group. He came T4. What a great story A Monday qualifier. I mean, just an incredible story. I thought the Honda classic for an event that we were all worried about. Everybody was, you know, and shout out to Curtis Bond by the way, friend of the show, childhood friend of the show, picked Chris Kirk to win. That's a big one. I mean, obviously, it's it's not as big of a win if you can't... If you pick the winner in an elevated event, it's going to move the needle. But this still moves the needle. I mean, it was like 1.6 million bucks. I mean, that's a nice payday to have in these, uh, these um, you know, these kind of lower field events. So that's a nice pick there, Kurt. Um, but yes, there was content outside of the big stars, and um, I enjoyed watching it. I didn't watch it as closely as I would um, if it was a, uh, you know, an elevated event or if some of the stars were playing. But still, you know, it's... It, uh, it provided all the content that I need because we've got huge events coming. It's, the golf season is in full swing, and I'm interested to see. I'm going to uh, do some digging uh, for Friday's episode to see what the ratings were uh, on the new cable uh, contract for the Live Tour. I know I can, but I just want to compare that to the Honda uh, Classic event. And I'm surprised with how much hate I'm getting online uh, in regard to the Live Tour. A lot of people siding with the Live Tour, so who knows? Uh, maybe people are all over it. But my guy, my pick last week, I was vocal on my pick. Not going to be vocal this week on my pick. I knew it was going to be a chalky play, so I thought I'm going to pick Shane Lowry. But his father's um, brother, who Shane was very close with, died unexpectedly Thursday morning. So he was playing with a green and, white, uh, green and white ribbon on his hat. He came fifth. He had a great week. I would have loved to see Shane get it done for his uncle who passed away on Thursday morning. It's the narrative I love to hear. He's playing with a heavy heart, and obviously I don't love to hear that. Uh, it's a very sad story for a guy like Shane Lowry, but I do appreciate a guy who sticks it out and, and battles for his family. Uh, but Shane, great week. and Yeah, we move forward. I mean, uh, Chris Kirk gets it done. Great win. Very deserved. And I mean... Now we move ahead to the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill, I just want to note this before I get in some other picks. Chris Kirk, in his last four starts at the Arnold Palmer Invitational last year, tied for fifth. The year before that, tied for eighth. The year before that, tied for fifteenth. And the year to that year before that, thirteenth. Fifth, eighth, fifteenth, and thirteenth in his last few, at his last four times at the Arnold Palmer. Um, coming off a win obviously playing unbelievable this year does anybody have the stones to pick Chris Kirk this week I think he's a DraftKings play he'd probably be pretty chalky is he a one and done play not for me but let's look forward to it. Obviously, Bay Hill, extremely tough golf course. A ton of water. I talked about it last episode. If you don't know the golf course, it's the one where Bryson absolutely milks the driver. The power five dog leg left over around the lake. You can kind of pick and choose how far you carry it over the pond. Um, Scotty Scheffler won here last year. Minus five was the winning score last year. So let's just look through here, folks, and talk about some guys that play here. Tyrell Hatton won here in 2020. Came runner-up last year, 2022, 21st and 29th in his last few starts with Tyra Hatton. Obviously a huge course horse here. Loves it. Victor Hovland never missed the cut here. He came second last year. I mentioned Chris Kirk. One of the guys that I'm looking at very closely. Guy who starred in the in the uh full swing Netflix series. Matthew Fitzpatrick. The four straight top 10s came ninth last year, 10th the year prior, ninth before that, and runner-up in 2019. So Fitzy loves this track, loves tough golf courses. We saw him win at the U.S. Open. Fitzy's going to be a phenomenal pick this week. I could see him very being very popular. Roy McIlroy won here in 2018, 6th, 5th, and 10th. Roy McIlroy hasn't been or in 13th last year, so he hasn't had a worse finish than 13th in the last five years. Roy McElroy. Loves this place. Max Holm has been steady around this place. You got Christian Bazin, who, Sebez, came 20th last year, 7th the year prior, 18th the year prior to that. I mean, there's some guys that really like this golf course. Let's go look at some stroke gain statistics here. Um, so Scotty Scheffler, obviously a great pick as well. Uh, came first here last year, won the event. Two years prior to that. He's only played here twice. He came 15th. Jordan Speith out the last five years has only pegged it up once. He came fourth. Talk about how successful Rory's been. Sung J M. Looks like he loves this place. 20th, 21st, 3rd, and 3rd. Sung J M, the guy who loves the loves to peg it and loves to play every week. Loves this place. So there's a lot of options here this week. Um I'm looking here. Jason Kokrak, who obviously won't be in the playing. Keegan Bradley couple top 10s last two years so I mean we look at this field here at Bay Hill this week it's going to be it's going to be a good field and I can't yeah I can't stress it enough the guy coming off the win, Chris Kirk loves it around this place so I mean we're in for a great one at Bay Hill we've got two elevated events we've got the players the week following um, I'm going to I'm going to be investing some money in Bay Hill this week I'm probably going to have three or four DraftKings lineups on the go I'll pick some outright winners get some 1v1s going so I'll I've got to get more active in the chalkboard app. I have had a few weeks off of it, but I've got to get in there and and um, you know talk about uh, you know some of the plays that I like and, and some of the bets that I'll be riding. But uh, super exciting this week, guys. We're heading to Bay Hill for the Arnold Invitational. A lot of great picks. A lot of the one and done lists. There's a lot of a lot of interesting picks this week. So a lot of the information I was getting there is is from Data Golf. Uh, you can go to the course history tool and you kind of got to, you can go look at their strokes, game performance, and their finishes from the past few years. All right, folks. Quarter four, we're going to talk about the MLB. We'll talk about some UFC. And just first, Formula One begins next weekend. So Friday, we'll have a quarter devoted to the Formula One. I'm not overly educated in it. I'll be completely honest. I've been getting through um, the, uh, the Netflix series, watching it closely. Obviously, we're big fans of Max Verstappen over here. I know Lewis Hamilton's a stud. Uh, Mercedes and Red Bull, I'm assuming will have big years, but I'm going to see if we can maybe look at some value, look at some team, look at, you know, do some research to see if there's any uh, any drivers that might be uh, uh, of some nice value for the first event of the year, but we'll get into that on Friday. The Formula 1 quarter is coming, or we'll at least split it in the fourth quarter with some miscellaneous stuff. But the MLB, obviously they've implemented all these new rules and they've tried them out in spring training. So if spring training is alive and well, are we going to follow it closely? No. But When there's headlines like this, we got to talk about it. So, the pitch clock violation. Obviously, the pitcher gets 15 seconds to get ready to pitch the ball. The batter has to be ready to rock by the 8-second mark of the pitch clock. During the Braves-Red Sox game, bottom of the ninth, it ends, the bases reduced, I do believe. The batter doesn't get set by the 8-second mark, and it ends the game that's going to be problematic for the MLB. That will be problematic come October. Big game on the line and a batter doesn't get set by eight seconds on the pitch clock and they end the game with a strikeout. That is something that needs to be reviewed. To be honest with you, I'm not sure how the pitch clock's going to go. We think about just the fantastic legendary plate appearances of Nomar Garcia-Pera. I'm thinking about Red Sox legends, but David Ortiz and the time, the anticipation you build up, especially in the playoffs, Garcia-Pera unstrapping his gloves, Ortiz doing his arm strap, his elbow protection. It's just kind of a routine that you like to see and the kids, you know, get to replicate in their batting stances. And I mean, those are out the window now. You've only got a few seconds to get ready to rock in the batter's box. So, I don't know where the MLB is going to go on this. Obviously, you can't end a game in the bottom of the ninth on a pitch clock violation. That's absolutely outrageous. That is a topic that we will continue to monitor, and, and there's going to be some instances where this is a this is a topic of discussion. And I'm sure that uh, general managers and players around the league are going. It's uh, Trevor Grasky's still going to war right now in on the uh, on my Instagram. What a lunatic! But this is not going anywhere. Is this pitch, pitch clock violation? Uh, just finally, Manny Machado signs an 11 year deal, 350 sheets, 350 million dollars in San Diego. Team's going to be a wagon. We know all the superstars they have. Um, obviously, UFC 285 this weekend. We get the return of John Jones. I've sprinkled Cyril gone at plus 135. John Jones moving up to heavyweight. It's been inactive. We know he likes to party. He's been into the bit of the Curtis Blosive before. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sprinkle Cyril gone. I'm going to cheer for John Jones. Obviously, I'm a Jones family fan, but I think Cyril Gunn provides a little bit of value there. Plus 135, moving up in weight. So we'll see. I know John Jones, is the GOAT, but who knows? All right, folks, listen, enjoy your weeks. I appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you give it a five-star review. Make sure you're following all the socials, and uh, we'll keep rocking and rolling. I appreciate you guys. Everybody, enjoy your weeks.